you don't know somebody's story until they choose to share it with you. That's it. And it's, it's true over and over again. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marion Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a pen nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk with Dr. Neil Bardhan and Christina Eskridge. Dr. Neil Bardhan is the Director of Applied Storytelling at First Person Arts, an expert in human communication with a PhD in brain and cognitive sciences. Neil's past work includes psycholinguistic research projects in the Netherlands and Germany, which first sparked his interest in combining storytelling and science. Christina Eskridge is the founder and executive director of Elevate Theater Company. Christina received her master's degree in public health from UC Berkeley and has worked over the past decade to combine the performing arts with public health to amplify health and healthcare topics. Dr. Bardhan and Christina talk with us today about how their backgrounds in performing arts brought them to storytelling, the reflective nature of storytelling, and the parallels between clinical practice and the theater. I am very, very excited for this episode of Amplify Nursing. I have two of my favorite storytellers on the show today, Neil and Christina. Welcome. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you. So you both have really interesting backgrounds that I'd like for you to talk about. Neil, you have a PhD in brain and cognitive sciences. Christina, you have a master's in public health, and you're both using those degrees in some way around the storytelling work that you're doing. So Christina, let's start with you. Can you talk about your background and what led you to the work you do today with Elevate Theater Company? Sure. Um, thank you, Marion. Uh, I started out storytelling as a performing artist. Um, I've been performing since I was in kindergarten, um, but as we grow and move forward in life in academia, um, we may or may not think that the theater arts is the, the most stable of, of career choices, right? Um, but I also had an interest in health and public health and trying to understand, um, you know, how can we leverage this patchwork system that we have to make the best outcomes for our communities as possible. And so I ended up pursuing public health academically, but I was always performing and, and doing a lot in the theater world. And it wasn't until about 2018 that I realized my master's in public health and my storytelling capabilities could maybe meld together. I was in a show called Up and Away at Lincoln Center um, with a theater company called Trusty Sidekick. And we were performing for kids with autism and their families. And all of a sudden, this light bulb went off. Storytelling and theater can be used for healthful purposes. Now we weren't curing autism by any stretch, but we were improving the quality of life for these young people and their families. And it was a really big eye-opening opportunity that public health can live with storytelling. And I decided to pursue Elevate Theater Company as a way of creating this melding of theater arts, 
storytelling and public health and using my mission in life and, and my education to um, bring that to a broader audience. So many things I want to talk about, but let's bring Neil in here. Neil, can you give us a little background about yourself and how the work you've done has led you to first-person arts? Sure. And I'm actually going to tell this in a different way than I normally tell this story. It's a story that I tell about twice a week, one way or another, uh, but now's a great time for me to experiment with something. In high school and college, I was a theater kid. Um, and I love technical theater. I thought about the performance. I wasn't much of a performer myself, but I loved being around shows in all sorts of ways. And as Christina acknowledged, part of my journey was recognizing this probably isn't the most stable career choice for me. And I had other interests and other pressures. And so I, for a while, was combining my theater interests in sound technology with what I was doing in the lab. Um, so I was interested in the sound of human speech. Um, human language is fascinating, always has been to me, uh, even as a little kid, even now today in different ways. Uh, but what we could do with speech on stage, but also you know, digitally processing it, was really, really fascinating. And that led me to go to grad school for cognitive science, focusing in psycholinguistics. And then partway through my postdoc appointment, I thought to myself, I like science, I like being around all these smart people, but this isn't the work that I want to be doing. I think I have other ways of accessing things that bring me joy, things that can have an impact in the world, what's, what's out there. Uh, and I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time and dabbling in teaching and also gathering scientists around talking about their work to each other, uh, especially across disciplines uh, was a big part of it for me. And so I stumbled on the phrase science communication, which I swear I hadn't heard in grad school. Uh, and so I thought, okay, now I get to put these things together. Um, and so I took what I call a, a, about a 90 degree turn from actively doing science research to thinking about science communication. Uh, and along the way, one of the tools that I started being curious about was the art of true storytelling. Uh, and that's connected me to first person arts, uh, which is where I am today, uh, among other artists and organizations and just pathways. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot that I get to do that doesn't touch on science and health and technology and all that, uh, but there's also a lot that does. And that's so much of what brings me back to, uh, why do I get out of bed in the morning? I wanna hear people's stories, particularly around science and health and human impact. So let's talk about that a little more because the work we do together, Neil, is through story slams. And for us at Penn Nursing, storytelling is really a critical part of what we do. It's how we communicate problems and solutions to our patients and to the world at large. And it's how we put the work that we do into context. Can you talk a little bit about what led you to wanting to partner with us around a nursing story slam and for those who don't know what a story slam is can you give a little background on that as well sure i'll start with that last part first and a story slam can mean different things to different groups and settings um, but for us with pen nursing uh, it's a curated lineup of storytellers who've prepared a story on a particular theme and they want to share these stories. And so we've created a show around it, right? It's a, it's a show, it's participatory in that they're you know, selected storytellers. Um, but for us, 
we, we meaning Marion and I, get to work with these storytellers for several weeks before the show and say, what's the story you want to tell? How can we tell that in different ways? How does that connect with our grand um, goals for the event, uh, as well as how can we connect that to the other stories of the evening, uh, which is some of the juiciest bits that we get to play with. Um, and to your point about what made me want to work with you is a phrase that you've said again and again, and I've co-opted it, and I don't have any shame around it, which is nurses have the best stories. And that rings true over and over again in this work. Um, nurses meet so many patients, so many um, other healthcare professionals, so many family members, and get to understand for themselves as individuals a lot, it seems, the context and impact of what they do. But then they don't always get to shine a light on it in a public setting. And so when we get to do just that and say, here's one storyteller with one story, let's put a light on them. Okay, here's another storyteller and provide to not just one audience, but many audiences over and over again. Here's what nurses do. I think it just does a lot for the individuals um, telling the stories, the individuals hearing them, and then the nursing community as a whole. What do you think it is about the power of stories that really can have that impact and really shine the light on what nurses or anybody who's telling a story does? Do you yeah. like what have you over your years of doing this? What have you learned about the power of storytelling? Yeah, um, two things that come to mind are first, it's easy to remember. A story. I was reading a quote this morning from Joseph Campbell about people don't remember facts, they remember stories. So true, right? It's easy when you can lay it all out. If you're trying to remember, oh, is it 80%, 85%? Uh, is, is it this vein or that vein? Who knows? But when you have a story, you everything links together really nicely and you can you can spool it out, out again and again. And then the other part is, um, Marion, you used a word earlier um, that I really enjoy, which is context that's so much of this is it provides audiences a context for what is it that nurses do how do they go about doing it and honestly a lot of the time it seems to subvert people's expectations and narratives uh, and i think that's a big part of why storytelling matters is we don't we as listeners don't always know what we think we know and that's that's what kept bringing me back to first person arts story slams that are meant to be more entertaining is, you know, I'd see somebody go up on stage, think they were going to tell one kind of story, and then everything flips on its head in the span of a couple minutes. You don't know somebody's story until they choose to share it with you. That's it. And it's, it's true over and over again. Uh, and that's what brings me back to working with you, but also doing this work more generally. So the story slam has nurses telling their true life stories. But Christina, the work that we've recently done for the Frontline Digital Healthcare Workers series was really having actors and playwrights listen to the stories of frontline workers and then put together two original plays that expresses the themes they heard in those workshops. Can you talk a little bit about how that event was put together and what the end product really found? Sure. I, I think what was really exciting about having workshops with our frontline health workers 
expressing themselves um, and telling their story and then fictionalizing those stories somewhat and, and having our playwrights expand on the themes that they heard for our professional um, artists to perform, I, I think what we what we discovered is that there's so much rich universal feeling that could be found in some of those themes. So it's not just one person's story, it becomes a story in aggregate. And not only do the individuals who are a part of the workshops and to, who shared their stories to fuel the plays, do they, they feel seen, I believe, um, at least that's some of the feedback that we received, but then this broader audience of nursing and physicians and frontline health workers also get an opportunity to be and feel seen. You know, Elevate's mission is to create space for audiences and artists to explore health and well-being through storytelling. So the story doesn't always have to be one-to-one. Um, -one. I think the fictionalization of it allows it to be a little more universal. Of course, the personalization of individual stories that are being told is also very in impactful for both audiences and those performing. But it's really an opportunity, I think, for us to look deeper. I think, Neil, you were getting at this. There's a reflective nature of what happens when you're watching or, or experiencing someone telling their story um, or someone depicting a story that they have had the permission to, um, to share, right? Uh, there, there's something really reflective and, and interesting and, and motivating, I think, that comes from that. And we can all explore well, what do I take from this? And now how do I apply that information or that experience or, or my new feelings about this particular situation? How do I apply that to my life going forward? And I think what we've done and, and what the story slams do is it gives folks an opportunity after the performance to really think through and explore what they might change or how they might move forward differently. I'd love to pick up on something really quickly there, Mary, and sorry to hop in here, but Christina, what you just said about reflective nature is really capturing something that I haven't explored a lot of, but I, I just want to note here that that captures something that I experience in story listening about hearing a story and trying to figure out where would I fit in in this story or how, how have I fit in in the story? And it's maybe often seen as, oh, you hear a story and you think I have a story like that. But there's also the stories where you hear it and then you think, oh gosh, I... I've been in a similar situation, but I've been the antagonist or I've been the bystander or, or some other role. And I think that that's really, really important for a lot of people to hear is the agency that they've had in other people's narratives. We are all the, the main character in our own story, right? And when you start to listen to someone else's story and how they see themselves as the main character and how we've played a co-star role or how we've supported them in some some way shape or form it does get reflective and then you can kind of put yourself in their shoes a little bit and and see that oh in this situation I may not be the main character but I can see how my role supports or um, antagonizes or defends this other main character that that's moving forward with their story I've seen this over and over and over again both with the story slam and with the theater workshop Healthcare providers in general, I don't feel like 
think they have the authority to share their stories or don't have the confidence to share their stories. That's especially true with the story slam. And you know, we've seen this over and over, people feeling really unsure about the story that they're sharing or unqualified to share their story. Partly, I think that's because of the types of professions that we're all in, but partly we don't educate our healthcare providers on the importance of storytelling and how to do it right. Um, you know, we all get trained in this sort of academic narrative, but we don't get trained in the storytelling narrative. How would you go about starting to educate healthcare providers around the importance of storytelling, but really the skill of storytelling? And you know, I'll start with you first. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is a big super question. For one, I, I reflect on my own journey and how I didn't think about performance and storytelling until really after grad school. And I realized that we were all sort of expected to learn it by osmosis, the same way that I was expected to learn, you know, stats and programming and all sorts of other things. But I, I think the answer is integration, right? It's prizing pre presentation and the skills required for it and actively developing those within the formal education uh, that people are receiving. Um, and maybe it's not a full-on class in presentation skills, but maybe it's part of something else. And maybe it's part of uh, a required activity that's outside the classroom, but still very important to the program and the people running it. And yeah, I think people are starting to see this as something that's more than extracurricular. You know, you have like your, your three-minute thesis competitions and dance your PhD and so on. But I'm becoming aware of more groups that say this matters and we need to do it early. Well, and that was going to be my follow-up question because how do you convince nursing programs, medical programs that storytelling is just as essential as physiology or pharmacology? There's so many things that these students need to learn. Storytelling can't possibly be just as important. Is it? Christina, what do you think about that? You know, Marion, I was just writing down keeping patients at the center of what we do. I am non-clinical. I have a master's in public health and I do a lot of healthcare consulting. But even in that work, keeping patients at the center of what we do is really critical. And so my advice to including storytelling in any sort of academic curriculum, especially for frontline health workers and nurses, is how do we communicate with our patients? How do we make sure that they feel comfortable and safe? How do we bring authenticity into the hospital and at the bedside and when we're doing those follow-up phone calls or when we're doing a home health visit? All of those opportunities are opportunities to connect as humans. And most, I, would, I, I don't know if this is true by any statistics, but I would, I would imagine and, and be so bold to say that most people go into the profession of nursing or any frontline health worker field because they feel compelled to support and serve. And one of the best ways, in my opinion, to serve is to authentically share stories and to be present. And I think that skill is invaluable when you're interacting with your patients or members of your community. I also want to say, you know, that component that, I, that just backtracking just a little bit, that component I talked about, everyone being the 
the main character in their own story. I'd like to credit actually Sharon Frazier, who's the marriage and family therapist, for that framing. And I think this this sort of ties in with authenticity and giving credit to stories and making sure that the stories we tell are either ours, our own personal experience coming from an I place, or they have per- we have permission to share them. Because one of the things that I think can be dangerous with storytelling is sort of appropriating someone else's story and put, you know, pawning it off as your own, as opposed to giving credit where those stories are coming from. And again, authentically communicating, sharing, and being present with those that we are interacting with. Yeah. And I do think there's also who gets to tell stories and who has the, absolutely. where, where do people sit in the power structure and whose story ultimately gets to be told. And we've talked about this numerous times on the Amplify Nursing podcast when talking to historians of nursing and other folks who are looking at the profession and some of the really centuries-long oppression of certain groups within the profession. And so storytelling, we believe, is a really important part of all of the work that we're doing at Penn Nursing because we want to be able to share stories from all different points of view, not just one point of view. And so, I mean, I think everything that you both are saying is really important and hopefully nursing programs, medical programs, others will start to see the power of storytelling within their curriculums and programs. And I, I think, Marion, the other component of it is you know, to, you hit the nail on the head when you said who gets to tell stories, right? Who's allowed the platform? And and I think by having the story slams, having the frontline health worker digital theater project come to life, this is an opportunity for folks who may not have a platform to have a space and tell their story, whether it be fictionalized and sort of more generalized so that it it's, you know, is seen by a broader audience or feels more close to a broader audience, or if it's individuals sharing their story. And then to Neil's point, you then can be reflective and say, wait, I have that story, or I've, I've been a part of a story like that. Um, I think it's super important that the platform exists for a variety of stakeholders to share what they, um, what they know and what they've experienced. And I think one of the things that we did, and we made this decision pretty early on was to expand and include nurses and then also other frontline health workers because everyone from, as we saw in the plays, from procurement and supply to transport to nursing to physicians, everybody has an experience that is worth sharing, is worth highlighting, and and to Neil's, uh, to use Neil's phrase, uh, worth putting a spotlight on. So I think that that that's really an important component. um, And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, not to get too far off the track here, but we definitely have seen, especially during the pandemic, that spotlights get shown on nurses and spotlights get shown on physicians. But there are many, many other equally as important people working in health systems and hospitals that are doing the work that needs to be done on a daily basis and everybody should get to share their stories in this way. And so I was really glad that we were able to focus on all frontline healthcare workers and not just a couple 
subsets of it because it, it ultimately it's a team sport in healthcare and we can't get done the work we need to do without our colleagues in transport and food services and environmental services and on and on and on. One thing I'll just add to that, Marion, you know, there is very clearly a parallel between healthcare and the hospital setting and the theater, right? We have the very literal sense of the, the theater, the, the surgical space, right? Like the, the surgeries happen in a the theater, right? Um, but then we have this sort of metaphorical onstage and offstage presence. Physicians, nurses, they, they're the onstage, they're, on the, they're in the spotlight, right? Um, they, they are the, our go-to general thought when we think about hospitals, just as actors are those who we think about actors, singers, dancers, et cetera, those on stage are the ones we think about when we think about the theater. But if we think about backstage and the intricate nature and the necessary components and that village that actually helps the onstage folks shine, those folks are critical, right? Whether you're a spotlight operator or a ticket taker or a concession stand person at the theater, or you are all of those roles that you just listed, transport, finance, EVS, et cetera, within the hospital. There are these parallels in both spaces where we've got folks on stage, but in order for this to run like a well-oiled machine and have the story unfold in the space, we have to have all of these backstage, behind-the-scenes people supporting. We also have a parallel in the audience experience, right? Doctors and nurses on stage might know more about the story that's going to unfold about this particular ailment or, or issue that a patient is experiencing. So there's an asymmetrical relationship with that audience of the patient, just like there is on stage where the storytellers know exactly how this is going to end, but the audience may not, right? So I think we've got a lot of parallels in these two spaces, and that's another reason why I would advocate and say that storytelling is absolutely critical for us to consider think about, learn, and perform in both the hospital setting as well as in the theater space. I love that analogy so very much. So Neil, what are your thoughts around all of that? Do you see any parallels in the work that you do with storytelling and what takes place in healthcare? Yeah, definitely. Something that I think about is, and this is related to what I was saying earlier about you don't know somebody's story until they get on stage, is there's a lot to be played with, gained, something like that, around having people from all across the team share their stories, for one thing, right? So there's one version of this, okay, where people from across a team, and they know the roles that each of them play, because they're all on the same team, and then they all share stories together, right? That's one version of this. And you get to say, oh, I didn't realize that Casey went through that in their experience as manager, that makes me appreciate something different about the work that they do and, and the impact that I have on them, whether I'm above them, below them, diagonal to them, whatever. So there's that version. And then the other is hearing from somebody a story and you don't know how they fit into a hierarchy or a, a, a team structure. And then at the end of it, you realize, oh, you were having a very bad day and you're the CEO, right? Or you're the Dean. And now I understand that um, you're, you're just like me, right? We all, we have bad days, we have good days. Uh, we celebrate wins together, but at the end of it, we just wanna be you know, respected and go to bed happy and loved. 
Um, and I think in different settings, we get to play with that as storytellers and audience members. And I think that's, that's so much of what I get to do is just reminding people, hey, you may think that somebody further up the, the chain than you is, let's say, just a robot, right? Or they only care about the numbers or whatever it is. But no, you once you hear their story, you can't deny that they're not a robot. I like to say everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time, just like me. So I totally feel you. If we can humanize and use stories as a way of relating to one another and bringing the humanity back into whatever role we play, I think, I think that's a win. Definitely, definitely. The phrase we use at First Person Arts is unique and shared experiences, right? I have a unique experience because I'm me. I look how I do. I was raised by my parents. But, you know, Christina, you and I probably have shared experiences as performers, right? And different yeah. <laughs> different theaters, different days of the week or whatever. <laughs> but we get it about that time that stage manager didn't call a cue at the right time or whatever it is. But we have the a unique fear when your mic goes out. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I love you two so much. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, I'm sure there will be some folks listening to this who have never done any type of storytelling. What are some tips or resources you could give to our listeners if they wanted to dip their toe in the water of storytelling? And Christina, let's have you go first and then Neil uh, follow after, please. Sure. So, you know, I would venture to say that everyone is a storyteller. I also always say that everyone is an artist, whether you think you are creative or not, <laughs> you do something creatively, whether that be the way you, you know, comb your hair a particular way, or you brush your teeth, or you um, cook a meal, right? Uh, there's lots of ways that we can demonstrate our creativity that are not just singing and dancing or visual arts or, or something that, you know, is considered quote unquote artistic. So that's my first thought is everyone is creative. Everyone is an artist and everyone is a storyteller. And then I would think about just the things that make a good story, right? Most stories have a beginning, middle and an end. And the middle is usually that climax. And so if you can structure your storytelling in a way that allows you to introduce characters, introduce people in the beginning, gives us a climax of some kind of event that happens. Why is this day special? Why are we telling this story? And then a conclusion. Those are sort of the three main components. And we tell stories all day, every day, no matter what we're doing. Tom Stoppard has a quote that is, every exit is an entry somewhere else. So even in your regular life, when you leave the living room to go into the kitchen, you're creating a new story. You're getting a cup of tea. And in that space, you're, you're making a story as you pour that cup of tea. And then when you exit that space, you enter into a new space and you start a new story. And so I just encourage folks to think about the stories that they're telling every day uh, within the context of their own lives. And then use that structure of beginning, middle, and end if you want to try to formalize it or practice it in some way, shape, or form. I love this. Um, I'd written down, Marion, as you asked your question, I'd written down four key words and Christina covered two of the four words already, which were already <laughs> and structure. Um, and I'll, I'll piggyback off the already and say, if you're a healthcare professional, technical professional, you name it, and you're listening to this and you're thinking, am I a storyteller? Christina says I am. Neil's here to remind you too. 
if you're if you've written a grant or written a conference talk or you know what written an application essay for getting into school you're a storyteller about yourself already and indeed we're we're telling stories all the time whether it's to your your mom to say hey mom here's what went on at work today or you're sharing with a colleague hey this is the situation down in room 137 you name it you told a story about your work you just haven't performed it on stage perhaps so the other two things that i was thinking about is brainstorming and listening uh, i'll actually go in reverse order and a thing that i say about my work is i'm not a professional storyteller i'm a professional story listener by a factor of 20 to 50 on some days we should all be listening to each other's stories and using them to inform our own not just about these things that i was talking about earlier of what role did i play in somebody else's story how would i like to be thinking of myself in the future how can i change what narrative i have of myself or what narrative others have of people in my role but we're going to learn so much about how you can make these stories fun and interesting and you want to do that from like the, the widest array possible i used to listen to a podcast that was a live recording of a stand-up comedy showcase and i've dabbled in stand-up comedy i don't think of myself as a stand-up comedian but every episode i would walk away and say i learned so much from that person because of the topics that they covered or because of how they had fun with words around something interesting or challenging we'll find inspiration for our true stories in all these different kinds of formats and all these different kinds of not just arts but um presented forms as well you know wherever it is in your system the other part that I, i'm um thinking about which is closely related to listening is brainstorming and one of the prompts that i present in a lot of my workshops is what's a story that you tell yourself or tell other people over and over again I think we all have these. I don't think I'm alone in this, that there are moments where I transport myself mentally once a day, twice a week, you name it, and say, gosh, I could go back and relive that either because I want to feel those feelings again or make a different choice or, you know, um, start up a conversation in a slightly different way. We have those stories. They may not be the most exciting stories, but they're the ones that we're coming back to for a reason. There's some emotion around them. What can you learn from that? I absolutely love that question, Neil, because it's so, it, it goes back to that reflective nature of storytelling, right? If we can sort of think critically about what we tell ourselves regularly or what we revisit on a regular basis and think about, okay, well, why am I going back to this? This was, you know, something I don't necessarily want to replay all day, you know, for the next week or whatever it is. What is what does that say? What is the what is the emotion behind that? And I think storytelling can evoke. And and it, it, I loved that you framed it with listening, right? Because when we listen, we again have that reflective opportunity, and actively listening, right? Without formulating your next thought um, in your mind, there's an opportunity for education, for inspiration, for some kind of provocation of action afterwards, because not only were we listening, but we were also reflecting on how that story can change within us or, or we can change within the context of that story. So I, I just really love that question and the reflective nature of it. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I might steal that question because I love it so much. By all means, I'll just tag on something with your, your thought about active listening, which is 
it's one of these phrases, one of these processes that I think has a lot of uh, weight or baggage to it potentially for some people. But in my experience on various sides of the, the classroom, it's a skill that can be picked up pretty quickly with the right exercises and space, right? So I, I feel like I developed a lot of my active listening through two means. One, I was taking classes in improv comedy and within literally the first class, I thought to myself, I don't have conversations the way that I would like to and in ways that I think are productive. I need to, to shift some of these habits. And these are these are low tech solutions. The other place that I picked this up is through a course in conflict resolution and mediation. Again, zero technology required, just a human mind and voice and ears. And it's so amazing what can be done if we just close our mouths, open our ears and let our minds ride that conversational wave rather than as Christina, we were saying, rather than start to plan your next utterance because you feel like you need to jump in, because you feel like you need to be driving it, uh, because you need to feel that you sh you've read this paper too, whatever it is. There's, uh, there's so much powerful potential in so many human interactions that can be driven through active listening. Couldn't agree more. Thank you for, for that. So I want everybody to be able to find you both and your incredible storytelling organizations. Neil and Christina, can you let us know, you know, what you have coming up next and where folks can find you? Sure. Um, so elevatetheatercompany.com is a great place to find us and the programming that we have coming up. Theater is, I, I sometimes wonder why I picked the fancy way to spell it, but it's theatre. Uh, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. -E. Uh, so that will help you find us a little bit faster and easier. Um, we're at Elevate Theater Company on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And in, on April 28th, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but we, we do have a program coming out that is a play uh, plus a panel discussion around access to abortion care and uh, reproductive justice throughout the South and the United States. Uh, the play is called That Southern Synergy by Chelsea D. And um, we'll be performing uh, all virtually uh, as well as having the panel virtual as well. And obviously, Marion, don't want to forget that the Frontline Health Worker Digital Theater Project is also available to watch on both the Penn Nursing YouTube as well as the Elevate Theater Company YouTube channel. So please check us out. We pair theater and storytelling with panel discussions around health and well-being uh, with experts who are very well versed in the various topics that we're covering and we're really looking forward to sharing more so thank you so much and i am with first person arts you can visit our website at firstpersonarts.org uh, we're based here in philadelphia and you can find us on all the social media platforms as well as uh, at first person arts and things that we have upcoming include we have a podcast series called Hashtag Us, Unique and Shared Experiences, um, comes out twice a month. And these are, I would say they're quick and light and easy. You know, they're about a half an hour long, five stories, um, mostly entertaining. And that'll scratch that itch for a lot of you who are listening and wondering, yeah, but what, what does a story have to sound like? It sound like all sorts of things. I'm a co-producer on that. And then 
within the healthcare world, I am part of an event on May 11th with NYU. They're having a story slam of their own for nurses, and I'm very excited to be part of that. And that's um, that should be available virtually for folks who want to tune in. Well, Christina and Neil, thank you so much for all the work that you do, highlighting the stories of frontline workers, nurses, and really everyone who has a story to tell. Thank you, Marion. Marion, thanks for everything that you do. I love this podcast series. I love all the people and all the ideas that it's introduced me to. Uh, and so I'm really glad to be on this side of the head headphones and microphone this time around. Hello, Angela. Hello, Marion. How are you? Um, great. How are you doing? I'm amazing. Just coming off COVID. Feeling yeah? so much better. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm assuming that you listened to our incredible podcast while you were sick and the interview with Neil and Christina, I'm sure, got you through at least 30 minutes of feeling unwell. <laughs> this is true. It was such a great interview. I really, really enjoyed it. So many different perspectives. Having been a nurse for such a long time, I never, I, I felt very connected to what they were saying. And it, it felt very validating because I feel like the, the creative part of nursing is not something that we're encouraged to express. And it was great to have them talk about the importance of the human experience in, in nursing. Yeah. And, you know, they're both really thoughtful, creative people who have taken their academic backgrounds and really now put them towards giving other people a platform to share their stories. And I just really love that about both of them, both of their organizations, and how we are now infusing storytelling into health and healthcare, and especially into nursing and here at Penn Nursing. Yeah, I think these things that are happening are so incredibly important and I think are really going to help bring nursing forward. Yeah, I mean, I think without storytelling, people don't really understand what happens in a hospital or to a patient or what you do as a nurse or other frontline healthcare worker. And so stories are so powerful in that way. And it really helps you to connect. It helps you to empathize. And it's, you know, it allows people insight into other people's world. And, you know, we need that now more than ever, I think. We do. And I think that we really need it if we're going to strengthen the voice of nursing. We've historically not had a lot of say in how nursing policy goes. And I think that this practicing using our voices and our stories is, is a powerful way to get ourselves invited to the table. Couldn't agree more. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. With special thanks to Jonathan Zhu for his assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. 
Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing Podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can do us a solid, please rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.